Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Yes, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Church, if you believe in the saving work of Christ, if you believe in the presence of the Spirit, if you believe that we have an invitation to the love of the Father, can we lift our voices? Shall we praise God together and celebrate his goodness? God, you are good and you have been good to us. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Rakana Masih, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we praise you. We praise you, dear God, for you are good. Your love, it endures forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 10, we read these words. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church, Jesus is coming again. The day is drawing near. And can I ask you to just do this work of, of the saints, this work of Hebrews 10. If you've come with somebody here this morning and you're willing to do so, I hope you are. Would you turn to somebody and would you encourage them that Jesus loves them, that he has died, he is risen. There is a way for each and every one of us in Christ. So would you encourage someone near you? Don't just shake their hand. Don't just tell them they're looking good this morning. Would you tell someone that Jesus loves them and tell them that he is alive? 
No, we're alive in Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise God. We praise God. And having done that, you're more than welcome to grab a seat together. We're going to continue on um, as we progress through this um, great Sunday, this special Sunday. I'm incredibly glad that you're here this morning. Um, I'm glad that you're all here. I'm particularly glad that there's a couple of people here, um, two, two very special people today who are going to be baptized. And um, and, and even as we just read from Hebrews 10, we had this little insight into, into a, a large thing. Um, that, that, that sprinkling clean from an evil conscience, it references the fact that Jesus died, his blood was spilt, it was shed, and it washes us clean. It washes us clean from our evil conscience and all of its works, and we are new. Is there anyone here today who's been made new by Jesus? Yeah? It's really good news, isn't it? And then the second part of that verse talks um, about being washed with pure water. Well, you'll be pleased to know, Ruth and Mike, that I, I did scrub the tank. So, um, it, I, I didn't, pure, I, I wouldn't drink it, um, but it is, it, it's nice and clean. And it references this, this powerful thing that is going to be demonstrated in our gathering today, that when, when you go down into the water, it is that symbolic uh, signifying and testifying that your old nature was crucified with Christ and it's dead and buried, it's gone. And we bring you up out of the water. Ruth, we're going to bring you up straight away. Mike, I've been told maybe after a while. I don't know. I'm not going to say who told me that. But uh, uh, and come up, and it's all about new life in Jesus. Resurrection. And so um, just for a moment or two, I'm going to invite Ruth and Mike to come and join me straight away. And, uh, yeah, thank you. And, um, and I think if, yeah, do you want to welcome them? And, it, and as they're coming, if, if I could ask the, the elders of the church who are present, if, if they could join me, elders of the church who are present, um, to join me as well. I know Nick's serving on the, the door, um, which is great. And, and, and Pastor Karen, she's serving in Oasis Church this morning, um, sharing with the families and children out there, and that's fantastic. And we pray God's blessing upon, upon them all. And what we're going to do, just for a moment or two, is we're going to share about how good Jesus is, um, which is always the nicest and best thing to share in the world. So um, I'm going to invite you. Do you want this on the stand? Is that easier or do you want to? Is that okay? And Ruth first and then Mike are going to share just for two minutes about how they met Jesus and how they know him as their Lord and Savior and the difference that's made in their lives. So is that all right? Hello. Oh, sorry. Um, how it works. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, well, I was lucky enough to be brought up by uh, mum and dad who believe in Jesus and love Jesus and guide us in that way. Um, but when I've truly met Jesus myself was when I've had, you know, 10 to 15 years of really poor mobility, pain, suffering, in and out of hospital, operations, um, I had a hip dislocation in 2012, which was absolutely awful. Um, and I'd say that that was probably the point whereby I really, truly felt that presence of God. Um, it was 12 hours. It was, it was awful, indescribable pain. 
uh, being transferred from a bed to a trolley, then back to a bed for x-rays to confirm that my hip had actually come out. And really, I wouldn't have got through those 12 hours if it hadn't have been for the comfort of God being there with me. Um, it, was, it was quite incredible, really. I had 45 minutes where I actually managed to get some sleep and just felt this, you know, real sense of peace. And it got me through those 45 minutes out of a whole 12 hours was the time that I just felt that presence of God. And, you know, I've had that journey with, with faith since then. And I feel now ready to, you know, take that next step of my faith and declare today that I love Jesus. Amen. Thank you. My story is a pretty similar one as well. Um, a few years ago, um, I joined the Royal Marines at 16 years old, and um, I had an injury in my training, and uh, woke up one day and couldn't feel below my legs, um, and got sent for tests, put back on the course, and uh, started passing out um, like within a few minutes of standing up every time they put me back on my legs. And um, after more scans, I was told, um, I might never be able to like walk easily again and I'd definitely never run again. And I uh, spent my whole life training to be a Royal Marine and I was told that that was gone. And I uh, was a big rugby player and I was told I'd never play rugby again. And uh, it was a big point in my life where I was like, where do I turn now? And I was always for open church, but as a teenager, I sort of lost it because uh, I was more interested in training to be a Royal Marine and playing rugby on the weekends. and. Uh, so, but then in that moment, it was like all of a sudden I knew uh, the chapel on base was open and that's where I needed to go. And uh, so that's what I did. And then uh, my mum always tells me about these things called God incidences, uh, coincidences that are just too good and God put them there. And uh, from being injured and going to the chapel, met a really great padre who I'm still really great friends with today, uh, who like, we go over and like he's in America and he quite often will come and see me to check out what I'm doing even now. And uh, I then met family who were in Exeter near where I was training, but I didn't know until I was injured. I didn't know they were there. And uh, they also went to church and started taking me there. And then I got transferred to a rehab unit in Portsmouth and my best mate's parents uh, were the pastors there in Portsmouth as well. Uh, definitely the God instances my mum had told me about. And uh, fortunately, I've had the healing um, from being told, like, definitely never be fit again to being fit in the day I joined up, now, five years later. Uh, and I knew I wanted to look into that more. And uh, I ended up here at Gateway, and the Alpha course was on as soon as I came here. And I uh, definitely got some of the answers I was looking for. Still got a lot of questions. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it really helped, and uh, now I'm here today. <laughs> Mike, don't go anywhere. Please. We, we want to pray with these wonderful folks this morning, don't we? Would you stand with me, church? And if you'd like to, you can reach out your hands to them, but begin to just ask God's blessing and his grace upon them. And the elders, would you gather around? And Abel, can I ask you to ask a blessing on them? Thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. 
Because this is the fulfillment of your word. You ask us to go out and be your witness and baptizing people in the name of the Lord, those who confessed you as Lord. Thank you for the life of these two people, lovely people that you have brought our ways this morning. Thank you for their encounter with you. Thank you for showing unto them that you are real, that you are powerful, that you are with them. You fulfill your promise that you are going to be with them even unto the end of the ages. Thank you for their testimony this morning. So today, in accordance to your word and upon the confession of their faith, we want to lift them up unto you this morning. That in the name of Jesus, as they have publicly declared their faith in you, Lord, you would continue to show them that you are their God. Their life would be a window of opportunity for others to encounter you. Father, I pray they will never go back away from you. They will hold you close unto themselves, and you will hold them close unto yourselves. Father, we thank you for what we're witnessing today. Glory be to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray for them. Amen. There's something rather precious when we um, are returned by the leadership of the Spirit to sing, sing an old song and to sing old words. And the words in and of themselves are wonderful, but I think it's because they speak to us of uh, seasons and times when we've been following after God. And in Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, the word of the Lord is, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, the old ways. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. And I think God wants to say to some of us, maybe many of us here this morning, you've been walking other ways. And they've seen new ways. They've seen ways that have been right to you in your mind, um, in your heart, in your humanity, your will. But God is calling you to come to his ancient ways. And they may be your old ways, the ways in which you used to walk, but you've, you've stopped. God says, come again. Stand at the crossroads and look. Look, he's here. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Please be seated. If you were to look at that verse in the Bible for yourself, Jeremiah 6, 16, and I'd encourage you to do exactly that, you'll find that the people that Jeremiah was speaking to at the time, they didn't. Jeremiah says, but you said, but, but you said, we will not walk in it. And that was their response. I would just want to urge you this morning, if you're here in the building, if you're watching via the live stream, go back to the ways of God. Walk in those ways. You've been trying to find rest. You won't find it anywhere else, but you will find rest in Jesus. That's his promise. And let me tell you, Jesus has never, uh, never left a promise unfulfilled. 
He is always as good as his word. And God is very, very good. That was a good place to say amen. God is very, very good. Okay, because some people may have fallen asleep. Um, you might just want to nudge them and tell them God is very, very good. Um, it's quite possible. Um, it got a bit cold outside, so we turned on the heat. I don't know, maybe we made you a bit too comfortable. Some of you are like, you haven't turned on the heat, Pastor Greg. You call this heat, this is not heat. Crank the heat. Uh, are you warm enough? Bring a rug next time, maybe. I don't know. Everybody warm at home. Every, everybody warm at home? Yeah, if, if you're all warm at home. If you're not, make a cup of tea. I'll take a flat white. Uh, you can bring it round. I'll try not to go on long enough for you to actually make a flat white, bring me a flat white, and me drink a flat white all during the time of the sermon. Um, we'll try and avoid that. Um, you, those of you who have been baptized, you'll be pleased to know the baptismal tank is very warm. It's this beautiful bathtub, warm, absolutely fantastic. And, and, and for those who do have children in the children's program, um, they will be coming back in um, to, to see the baptism at the end. The family room is available downstairs. Um, so if you've got littleies and you need a bit of a space where they can, um, I was going to say run riot. We don't want to encourage that, do we, really? Uh, but where they need a bit more space to be noisy and whatever, then that's available down the, at the back there. Here's what we're going to do right now. If you've got a Bible with you, or if you've got an app, a Bible app on your phone, um, would you turn to John's Gospel in the New Testament and chapter 4? It will come up on the screen, um, but I would encourage you to, to try and follow it along for yourself, and, um, and that would be really, really good. Um, John chapter 4, and um, we're, we're coming to the conclusion of a short series in the Scriptures we've been doing called Remember When. And um, what we've been doing is finding uh, the, the, the joy and the benefit and the encouragement and the strength and the teaching in remembering again the things of God. Maybe that's why we're prompted in the spirit to go to those crossroads and look for the ancient ways. We're remembering the things of God and we've, we've remembered that the nature and the way of God through um, Old Testament stories like the Exodus, like the Passover, We've remembered the person of Jesus um, at the Last Supper and then particularly his, his winsome, beautiful, compassionate character and, and the wonder work of the cross and his resurrection. And last week we were remembering the work of the Holy Spirit, how it is that the Holy Spirit is at work in his people. Ah, oh, two of us. The Holy Spirit is at work in two of his people. A few more of his, but in his church, the Spirit of God is present. He is present. And, and, and today we're going to remember when we, and having just delighted ourselves in the persons of the Trinity, God himself, we're going to say, okay, how is it that God has met with me? How is it that God has met with us? And how is it then that we get to tell that story? And it's a really good story. I know some of you, I'm looking in your eyes and you're like, my story's not a good story. I've heard your stories. They're good stories. Because they're stories of the grace of God at work within your lives. And they're not finished yet. In this um, series today, we're going to look at this wonderful story in John chapter 4, and we're going to understand that God repeatedly uses people you would least expect him to partner with. Isn't that true? God, and it, 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 it's not like in the Bible, God used some unexpected person once, and then God was like, oh, that didn't go very well, I'll not do that again. It's over and over and over. The Bible is literally stuffed full of God working with unexpected people. In fact, I go as far as to say that the occasions that God uses the expected people are in the minority. 
God uses the unexpected people far more than the expected people. So if you've been trying to make yourself neat and tidy enough for God to use you, could you stop? (laughs) And could you instead say, Spirit, make me honest enough for you to use me. Make me surrendered enough for you to use me. Make me as messy as this world. And messily would your spirit work in this world so that you would be demonstrated. Does anybody want to be messy this morning? Seven of us. The rest of you are like, I don't know about this messy thing. I don't know. I'm going to baptize a few more of you, I reckon, by the end of today. Let's baptize some crazy into you. Come on. Um, God uses the unexpected. Now, despite, and you'll see this story is about a lady we often term the woman at the well because we don't know her name, but we do know an awful lot about this woman. Um, in fact, she's, she's one of the keenest students of the person and work of Jesus in the whole of the Gospels. She had insights and understandings that would put most other people to shame. But despite a particular aspect of her circumstance that, that would be shameful within her society, after her encounter with Jesus, she was compelled to tell people what had happened. Uh, we want to understand that the grace of God is bigger than any guilt. Do we know that? Do we understand that the empowering work of the Spirit in our lives is more powerful than any fear or shame? Do we understand these things? Come on, we need to baptize more of you than I thought. Uh, God is bigger and better, okay? And we're going to understand from this lady uh, that her storytelling, uh, it wasn't just like she was just telling a tale, but it posed a question. She didn't offer a certainty or have all the answers. That's not that important. But she enabled others to seek out Jesus for themselves. And I think when Mike was sharing, he said, I've still got loads of questions. Hallelujah. Um, if you stop having questions, then oh, come on. Come on. Now, our own stories, they can be a small part of someone else's journey. They can fuel that journey, propel other people towards Jesus, maybe even for the first time. And as we talk today, by the end of our time in the Word, I, I want us all to be encouraged to consider, how can I tell my story? Did you get that? How can, not how can I tell someone else's story. How can I tell my story? And if God has been faithful, sorry, and to invite others to think this, if God has been faithful to them, to this person telling me their story, maybe God's going to be faithful to me. Maybe God's going to be faithful to me. Let's read some Bible together. Shall we do that? We're in John chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 28. Um, and and um, No, that's not quite right. We're going to read from a little earlier than that. My apologies. Right, let's read some from the beginning. And then we'll focus in on verse 28 onwards. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Just like today, Jesus is not physically present to baptize people, but his disciples are going to baptize in Jesus' name. That's what we're doing today. He left Judea, Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Does anybody know that Jesus fully inhabited humanity? Yeah? This is fully God, and he's become so fully human that he gets weary from a long journey in the heat. 
He knows everything about your humanity. Can we get rid of some aspects of shame? He knows everything about your humanity. There's nothing of your humanity that Jesus doesn't understand. And he loves you. And he died for every single aspect of who you are. But he loves you so much that he rose again so that he could actually bring you into the fullness of of his life. Jesus loves us to come to us where we are. He loves us so much that he doesn't leave us there. And it was about the sixth hour, which is about noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And you can probably sense within the text that there are significant issues with a man, not least a rabbi, talking to a lady uh, without anybody else present. That was the culture. Jesus answered her in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Everything about this woman's experience was about exclusion. Uh, But you want to realize that not only is Jesus more about embrace than the exclusion of the world in which he lives, but this woman is not only really perceptive, but she's not going to be put off. Um, And she's actually a really remarkable woman. Uh, You see, the Jews said of the Samaritans, it doesn't matter what your Jewish heritage is because it's been polluted by this other heritage. Your Jewish stuff doesn't count. But this lady says, no, my dad's Jacob. (laughs) And I really like that. I really like that. She says, it doesn't matter what anybody says about me. If I want to come close to God, then I'm going to let God decide whether I can do that. Thank you very much. No one else is going to decide. This is me and God. And and, and perhaps because she was so keen on having that encounter with God, God, Jesus, comes to this nowhere place in the middle of nowhere and finds her. And it's really good, isn't it? He gave us the well, drank it from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Hallelujah. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. This is not just a practical consideration, is it? This is something deeper. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. It's a bit of a step change. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Again, this lady's reactions are just remarkable. Now, in, in the text, and we want to be careful here, in the fact that she's, Jesus says, and correctly, it seems that she's had five husbands, that we're not given any detail. We don't know. It's quite possible that, that some or even all of those husbands may have passed away. Um, what we do know is that presently she's living in circumstances that aren't right. It's not okay. 
uh, for her to be living with somebody as though they were husband and wife and yet not be. That aspect alone would be a shameful and separating thing with her community. But again, her response is just remarkable. Remarkable. And, and look, we want to recognize that, that Jesus is so winsome, so invitational, so compassionate, so, so good, that if there's anybody you're going to come to, in spite of everything, then it's going to be Jesus. But I think this particular lady, she comes so honestly and openly and so willingly that she just teaches us and teaches us and teaches us. I perceive that you are a prophet. Now we're going to um, just, just skip forward just for a moment because of time, but they have this discussion about worship and, and what constitutes true worship. Um, but then as the, the lady herself in verse 25 makes a confession of faith, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. Now Jesus doesn't tell many people that. Not many people. Um, and, he, and he tells very few Jewish people this. And maybe it's because she's been excluded as the Samaritan that he tells her. Because she's not going to assume that it means one thing. That somehow he's going to ride in you know, horses and chariots and beat up the Romans and reestablish the Jewish kind of way of doing things. Maybe it's because she's Samaritan and excluded from these things that he tells her. I don't know. But they have this profound moment of encounter when she knows that she's met, with the, she's met with the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And nothing's ever going to be the same again. So she leaves her water jar and she goes away into the town, verse 28, and says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. She's got pretty excited at this point because that's not true. Um, she didn't tell her everything she ever did. And when you were three, uh, it didn't go quite like that. Uh, but the profound stuff has come out in this conversation. And, and, and they then come out of the town and are coming back to Jesus with this lady. Can, she must have been so powerfully changed, even in that moment, but also so full of conviction. She was so believable. This isn't just words. Our stories, our testimonies of encounter with God, they're not just words. They shouldn't be just words. It ought to be that we've been so excited and so thrilled by our encounters with the living God that when we tell others and say, come and have a look, then they say, actually, I think he is worth a look. Look, it's not your responsibility to ever get anybody saved, as we like to say. It's not your responsibility that, that people should, should be born again or enter into the family of God. It's not your responsibility that, that when all things are made new, that they should be found amongst the saints in glory. It's your responsibility to so love them and love them with the story of your encounter with Jesus and the story of the cross that they have the opportunity. God is at work. You know, she didn't go to them in the town and say, this man told me everything I ever knew. Now, don't go see him. It's now my job to convince you of everything and get you sorted. No. It's like, let me tell you my story. Now, come. Come and meet him for yourself. Take a load off, Christians. Could we do that? You're nobody's savior. I'm nobody's savior. But we know the real savior, don't we? Now, 
when we can kind of take the load off and we see what happens, and, and, and as the story continues in verse 39, they come and they believe in Jesus because of that woman's testimony that he told me all that I ever did. And, um, and then the, the Samaritans come to him, they ask him to stay with him, with them rather, and he stays two days, and many more believe because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. It's the Samaritan experience here because it's not just the savior of Jerusalem or the savior of the Jews. You know, that's incredibly important. That is the epicenter of salvation. But here, we're starting to get this powerful understanding that it's not exclusive, it's inclusive. Because if he's come to us, then he could come to anybody. Yeah? Are there any anybodies here today? There's a few of us probably. I think we, <laughs> until you realize you're an anybody, I don't know whether you'll ever be a somebody, I'm not sure. But Jesus has come to you, he'll come to you, he'll come to you, and he wants you to tell the story. Sometimes the most unexpected people... Um, really have an influence that's outsized, remarkably so. I don't know whether you heard of this story. Um, You may well have done. Uh, But in 1944, eight-year-old Tony Folds, he witnessed something really remarkable that really shaped the rest of his life. Um, He witnessed a, a U.S. plane, and the U.S. pilot of that plane during those closing uh, years of the war, 1944, he chose when he was unable to bring his plane down under control, he chose to crash into trees because he'd, he'd seen that in the field, there was young eight-year-old Tony Folds and his friends playing in the field. And he had a choice in that moment. The pilot was like, do I crash down in the field? We're more likely to survive, but the kids, no chance. Or do I swerve and go for the trees? Much worse for us. Well, he, he chose to crash into the trees and all 10 of the Americans on board that plane died, but they saved the kids. Since 1969, on returning to that place, Tony Folds, now an adult, he's gone since then almost every single day to tidy a little memorial to them there. On one occasion, the the BBC Breakfast presenter Dan Walker spotted him And Walker got to know the story and and brought it to a wider audience. And because of that, a fly past was organized in honor of the 10 men who gave their lives and the story of the young boy who kept their memory alive. This fly past happened not that long ago. It's quite recent. An eight-year-old lad who was so profoundly moved that he just kept faithfully keeping that story alive. And, you know, for all he knew, he was just going to do that until he passed and maybe passed it on to the next generation. I don't know. But the story then gained a, a national audience and significance. During lockdown, the first one, how many have we had? I don't even know anyone. Does anybody know? Um, 75? Any, any takers? Any, I don't know. But during the first lockdown, of course, we've all heard of now um, Captain Sir Tom um, after he was knighted. And he started off, didn't he, with that reasonable goal of raising a, a grand for the NHS. 
by walking a hundred laps of his garden before his hundredth birthday. And, and as, as Captain Tom's story gathered public attention, more and more money came flooding in. And of course, by the end of those laps, he'd raised over 30 million pounds for the NHS. It's pretty good going. And he was renowned as a national hero, of course, and received the knighthood from the queen uh, before he passed on. Um, kind of remarkable but unremarkable people. Do you know what I mean? You know, wonderful people but overlooked or, or kind of hidden somehow. But they had a story. They had a, a grasp of something. And they did it perhaps with any, without any anticipation of becoming anything bigger than that. But then because of their dedication and their humility and the, just how captivating the story was, it became so much bigger than they could ever have imagined. Do you think about your story that way? Do you think about your story with Jesus that way? The way that he captured, captivated you and, and how captivating you are. I'm looking at you. You're a pretty captivating bunch. I don't know whether anyone's told you recently that you're captivating. You're pretty captivating. and You have this remarkable, wondrous treasure. What does the Bible say? In jars of clay. We're not proud about you know, our own kind of humanity. But, oh boy, don't we want to boast about our story in Jesus? We get this weird idea about the type of people God works through, and the Bible shows us that we all have a part to play. Moses. Moses, who got it so badly wrong and was living in the backside of the desert. I've said it before, but I really love that. It's like the desert, not good. Bum of the desert, bit worse. Um, there he is. And, oh, and he said, I can't. Jesus said, don't worry, I can. And Moses stands up against Pharaoh. Rahab, who would have been discounted by everybody for every reason, but she uh, is instrumental in God's purposes and plans coming to fruition. Peter, the hot-headed disciple who said so many wonderful things, but... <laughs> but somehow managed to top it with all the bad things he said. And if there was a scale, so it would be like, well, I was really, oh, dear. Uh, come on, Peter. Oh, and oh goodness. But, but, but Jesus then commissions him foundationally in the, the gospel work of building his church. Jesus was unexpected. So, you know, some of us, you're so good Christians, you've got used to, be, you've got used to Jesus. But it's not, it's not normal. It's not normal for God to be formed inside Mary and to come into the world and for God to learn how to eat and speak and walk and all these kinds of things. I don't want to get too delicate, but Jesus did all the other baby things as well. This is weird. And for Jesus to come in the way that he did and to, and to bring salvation in the way that he did, he's unexpected. Philip, who became a follower of Jesus, said, nothing good's ever come from Galilee. That was where Jesus was from. Can't be, can it? I don't know, maybe someone might say nothing good has ever come from Birkenhead. Fools. <laughs> Fools. <laughs> Other places are good, but just Jesus loves Birkenhead a bit more, just a little. <laughs> and Wallasey, obviously. 
Jesus meets with this lady, a Samaritan. She's collecting water at noon, the heat of the day. She's not socially distancing. She's, she's ostracized either by others or by her own sense of, of shame and separation. But she is moved so quickly beyond these things by the invitation of Jesus. And God uses this outcast lady to be one of the very first people to witness to who Jesus really was. I can't get over how incredibly special and wondrous this lady is. If you've not read this story before, oh goodness, you need to read this story. You need to meet with somebody who will inspire you how to love Jesus and be a witness to his glory. And I think we need some inspiration, and she's got it. How often do we allow how we feel about ourselves to dictate our service to God rather than letting it be determined about what God says about you and me? You know, just as we were kind of preparing to, to share in this baptismal service, the, the verse that keeps on coming, and unsurprisingly, is if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things are made new. This is what God says over you if you're in Christ. And if you're not yet in Christ, then today's your lucky day. You can choose Jesus today. A couple of scholars of, of sharing our faith, Mail and Weston, they said like this, God wants to use us as we are and not as we think we should be. God wants to work through our character, background, personality, interests. We don't have to become someone else or a caricature of ourselves before we can be involved in God's adventure of evangelism. God wants you. He 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 wants you. Shall I keep going? God wants you. Berenice, could you show us a jar of jelly beans, please? I don't have any actual jelly beans. Don't get excited. Um, how many jelly beans are in this jar? Anybody like to hazard a guess? You're also, you know, I can't, what if I say the wrong number? Well, then you will have said the wrong number. Let's all move on. It's okay. Um, it's quite all right. I, I don't know how many jelly, I don't actually know the answer. It is a total worthless exercise. Um, but um, there is no secret packet of jelly beans I'm going to give to somebody in a minute. It's not going to happen. Um, but I, there was an Oxford prof professor, Marcus de Sotoy, and he asked 160 office workers this simple question. What he discovered was both remarkable and significant. He said, nobody guessed correctly, and yet everybody got it right. Now, how is that possible? How is that possible? It's, it's possible like this. One worker suggested 400 in that particular jar. Another suggested 50,000, clearly interesting people in the office, um, working it out for themselves. Only four out of the 160 got anywhere close to the actual answer, which was 4,510 in that particular jar. But when they averaged out all 160 answers, the average came out to, remember that the real answer was 4,510. The average was 4,515. 
That's pretty close, isn't it? And, 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 and this scientist uh, suggested that as individuals, the guesses are just that guesses, but when you take them collectively, they become something else entirely. The accuracy of the group is far greater than the individual. We call this the wisdom of the crowd. Providing the group is big enough, welcoming enough, allows for the difference that comes into the, the group. Then the group uh, overcomes its errors and can actually bring something together that is profoundly right. You come on a Sunday, and maybe you come on a Sunday, you think, well, if I just sit on the side or at the back or wherever, if I just come in a little bit late and leave a little bit early, then no one will notice me. You're all like, Pastor Greg saw me. (laughs) Jesus saw you. And you don't have to be so concerned about your own faults and failures and, and whether you're getting it wrong or whether you're missing this bit or that bit or the other bit. Jesus has a really good answer for that. It's called the church. It's called the church. In other news in Italy, just this last week I read in the newspaper, there are apparently 250 hermits in Italy, Christian hermits who live on their own. Occasionally, kind of like that sound of that existence. Not because you, Aaron, just the kids. You and, okay, um, just to make that plain. Um, love the kids too. Um, but just this week, they, they had a gathering. Doesn't that seem like counterintuitive to you? Hermits having a get-together? But they did. 35 of them got together. The others are the really grumpy ones. And, 30, and they got together because they realized we need to encourage each other and share stories about what it's like to live on your own. and Pray. 12 hours a day or whatever they do I don't know they're getting together and bringing the pieces of the puzzle together and their own stories and and God says would you come and would you share your story would you share your story and stop excusing yourself because you think that you're excusable and not interesting and not part of the puzzle God says yes you are your story is really really good because of this lady's story many more of them came and encountered Jesus and they believed in him and they said we don't just believe just because of her that was the beginning of it all and it was a glorious good beginning but now we've all got our own beginnings And now we're bringing this together. And the story is not just come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now we're bringing all of our stories together. And what did it look like when they brought all their stories together? It was, you're the savior of the world. Whoa! This has gone a ways away, isn't it, from you you just treat me nicely and you know about me and yet you're the Messiah. Or, Or whatever anybody else's story was. When all these stories come together, the picture of the actual savior of the world unfolds. Come on, church. Keep going until you realize that your story is a part of the revelation of the savior of the world. The savior of the world. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the the team to come back. They're going to lead us in a song in a moment or two. And... And as they do that, we're going to prepare the baptismal tank. The children are going to come in and we're going to baptize people as we conclude. I just want to try one more time to excite you about the story of Jesus. 
The story we had today, it began right at the beginning of John 4. We're saying Jesus had to pass through Samaria. It was going from A to B. And geographically, yes, it was the shortest distance. But in actual fact, many Jewish people, certainly many rabbis, they used to go the long way around so that they wouldn't be defiled by going through Samaria. So we know that this wasn't just a practical thing. Everywhere else in John's gospel where it says had to, it's talking about divine purpose. And so Jesus, in the language of John, had to go there because God had a plan. He had a plan to meet with this woman. He didn't have to, but his divine plan and purpose made it necessary. Can I invite you to close your eyes if you're willing to do so? Jesus, he doesn't have to be here today, except that his divine will includes us today in his plan of grace. He has come to us today by his spirit present with us, not because he had to, but because he chooses to and because he chooses you. What does Jesus offer when he comes? Jesus is not offering something because he has to. He's not some sort of door-to-door salesman trying to earn commission. No, Jesus freely offers life, living water. He offers hope and forgiveness because he is good and because we're not, because we need him. He says to the lady, give me your natural water, and then he offers her living water, a well of life springing up forever. He says to anybody who will listen, give me your best life and I'll give you my better life instead. Jesus points out the painful reality of her broken marital relations and then he unpacks that he is the Messiah, the very hope of salvation for the world. Well, do you know he's saying to her, give me your sources of satisfaction and security, the way that you try to mend your places of brokenness and I'll give you my far better satisfaction and security. I won't try and put a plaster on it. I bring healing and hope. Jesus is better. He is better than everything you're trying to build or everything you're trying to be. Jesus is the true and better life, the true and better satisfaction and security for your soul. He didn't have to come by this way today. But he has done, and he's done so because he came for you. And I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the person next to you or in front of you or behind you. I'm talking to you because Jesus has come for you. And this morning, as we're preparing this baptismal tank, I want to offer a simple invitation. But it takes the kind of courage that that lady showed at the well. Whilst the team are unpacking the tank, I'm going to be stood over at the side of the the front of the stage here. And if you know today that Jesus has come for you and you want to respond to Jesus and say, yes, you are better and I want you, then would you come and, and chat with me just for a moment? We won't chat for long and I won't keep you out of your seat for too long, but I will invite you to come and see Jesus and he will talk with you and he will make you new. So if that's you this morning, don't delay. Don't leave without taking up this opportunity. Jesus came for you. And while we're preparing to baptize right now, come and talk with me. I'll be right at the front.
It's not scary. It is good. Thank you. It is no longer I 
baptize folks as we draw to a close with our gathering together. How that's going to look is um, one after another we'll invite them to come uh, and enter into the, the baptismal tank here with, with me and with Nick who was here somewhere. I don't know where he's gone uh, but hopefully he'll come back. And Ronald will for each uh, person who is being baptized today he'll be sharing a, a promise from God's word and that's wonderful. Ah wonderful. Double good. So I'm going to hand over to you with this Ron and if you wouldn't mind leading us through. If Ruth would uh, be kind enough to just make her way up, we'll start with you.
great to have the kids in front. Brilliant. So as Ruth makes her way down the tank, I encourage you to say a word of prayer as she, she does that. Uh, Pastor Nick and Pastor Greg will pray for her before she is um, baptized. Great stuff. You've got a bath here. You could go in afterwards, okay? This is a promise of God from his word taken from Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That's your promise in God's word.
God is good. Right. We do have a second one. Mike, come on up. Mike, this is God's promise for you. Taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is God's promise to you, Mike. Hallelujah. This is a great day. Let's all stand as we celebrate God's goodness and as we declare God's blessing over our lives. We are God's people. We are the body of Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ at this time. Let's sing this song. Declare His blessing. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now do we can say that they are strong In the strength that God has given With shield of faith and belt of truth 
will stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor and with a sword that makes the wounded whole we will fight with faith and valor when faced with trials on every side we know the outcome is secure and christ will have the price for which he died and inheritance of nations come see the cross where love and mercy meet as the son of god is stricken then see his foes like crushed beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen and as the stone is rolled away and christ emerges from the grave this victory march continues till the day every eye and heart will see Spirit come, put strength in every side, give grace for every hurdle, that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace. with Christ we stand in glory. As saints of old, as saints of old, still I the way, retelling triumphs of His grace. We hear the call and hunger for the day, when with Christ we stand in glory. Saints of old still lined away, retelling triumphs of His grace. We hear the call and hunger for the day, when with Christ we stand in glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You that You are the one who reveals himself to us and in that revelation we see ourselves more than adequate Lord God for you call us to be like you to be one with you Lord God and in that oneness with you in that intimacy we have everything that we need to do your work Lord God may we do so in the knowledge that you will never leave us nor forsake us and in that confidence we declare we, your church, will rise up 
to the glory of your name. Amen. 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 Go in God's peace. Praise be to Him. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with Him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.